Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. So excited to meet, for the first time ever, myself, Chris Gronkowski. If you recognize that name, he is one of five brothers, the Gronk brothers, and he played in the NFL. Their whole team is a big team of professional athletes and big guys, and they are so fun, and they do a bunch of stuff together as brothers. But I wanted to talk to Chris for a couple of reasons. Well, first of all, one of the three teams that he started for in the NFL was the Denver Broncos, which is I'm a huge Broncos fan and grew up in Denver back in the Ricky Natiel and Stevie Winder and like Steve Atwater, the 80s, like golden years for the Denver Broncos. And so that's cool. We have that connection. But what I love about Chris is that he has parlayed his NFL career into a personal brand. And I think a lot of people don't understand what that life looks like. And so I thought, hey, let's talk about it. The other thing that he did, part of that was he launched a product that is called Ice Shaker. And this is a product that he launched in 2016. Within the first five months, he was able to generate about $80,000 in sales. He then got on Shark Tank, pitched a deal on Shark Tank, and ended up signing a deal with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. And so he's been growing his social media following. He's got several hundred thousand on TikTok, you know, six-figure following on Instagram. He's building this business. And so I just thought, hey, this is a cool story. We got to hear about it. So anyways, Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. I like the intro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I do, man. I think it's super cool. And so let's start with your exit from the NFL. You know, at Brand Builders, we work with a growing number of athletes, I feel like, because I feel like a growing number of them are waking up to this idea that, you know, hey, you have to work after professional sports, most of them. And you have this sort of limited window where people still kind of know who you are and parlaying it into something. And I, I think you've done an awesome job of that. So talk to us about what is it like transitioning from your whole life of sports You make it to the NFL, you play for several seasons, and then it comes to an end. Yeah, and it does. And that can happen at any time in your career as well. No matter how good of a player you are, you're one injury away from never playing again. And what most people don't realize is almost none of the contracts are guaranteed. So when I entered the league, I was undrafted. I signed a three-year deal. It didn't matter that it was a three-year deal. If I got hurt that first play, that was the last game I would have got paid for there was nothing guaranteed after that. So a lot of these guys, they make it or they get drafted. You know, they might play for a year. And after that, it's done. You know, it's over. But they're planning and they're thinking that they're going to play forever. So a lot of that money's already gone. Once you leave, you leave with whatever you made. If you're on the roster on a Wednesday, you get paid that week. If you're not, you don't get paid. You're done. You're going home. You know, you're trying to find a new job. So uh, that transition's hard. You only know one thing. You know, for the most part, you don't have a job besides what you did, you know, growing up as, you know, newspapers and an umpire and, you know, work for my dad, stuff like that. But having that actual experience with a real job doesn't come until you're done playing. So really the only thing you know up until that point is how to be a football player. 
So once you leave, you know, you don't have the skills yet. You're older. Most people aren't looking to hire older. And it's just this whole mentality that, you know, I was making all this money. I was a football player. This is my identity. You know, it's hard for me now to go start over at 50 grand a year or 40 or 30, or even if it's 90, you know, which is great for someone coming out of college. But when you're making that per game per week, it's definitely an ego check and it's hard to start over. So a lot of guys struggle with it. It becomes an issue for a lot of players. And there's a lot of programs in place now to help guys transition because it's a tough process. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I just, I think people aren't in tune to that because we don't hear that much about it and go, Hey, this is someone making tens of thousands of dollars a week to go and Hey, you're just like everyone else in the workforce trying to figure it out. So you leave the NFL. How long is it before you come up with the physical product idea? And then talk us through like, what's that timeline like? Yes. I had a, I guess I would say unusual transition. After my third year, my wife was living with me. She had to get three jobs in three years. So she had to go you know, interview every city I went to. I went to four different teams in four years. So by the third year was Denver. And when she got to Denver, she said, I'm not going for another job interview. I'm going to find a way to work from home. So she actually started an online business on Etsy. At that time, it was hand painting wine glasses after Denver was the end of my career. So, or end of my first contract, my three-year contract. So I was looking for another team and I had some downtime. So started looking into her business, realized there was a great opportunity there. And I started buying different commercial grade laser engravers, started sourcing different products. And you know, pretty soon we had this all out business out of our house. Uh, I ended up then signing with the chargers, going there for about five months. I got hurt in camp and I got released. So I went full-time into this business. And within the first year, we were actually making more money in her business than I was playing in the NFL. So for me, super unusual transition that, you know, had no clue that's what I was going to do. Had no idea about the industry, but kind of just fell upon it because of my wife. So I ended up doing that for five years. After five years, really came to the point where when people would ask me what I was doing for a living, it was kind of like, you know, I wouldn't even tell them. I never posted about it. It wasn't Mm. me. I was this macho football player. I was always in sports and fitness and now I was custom engraving wedding gifts. So when people asked me, it was like, yeah, I'm kind of just doing my own thing. Wasn't super into it, but it was making me a lot of money. So I kept doing it. But after five years, thought of the idea for the product Ice Shaker and realized that it was a great opportunity for me to get back into the sports and fitness that I love doing. So uh, when I thought of the idea, just started as a side hustle with selling it out of my house after work and you know, had the opportunity to get on Shark Tank. And that's when it really exploded and became a full-time business for me. So before Shark Tank, you know, like if you have an idea to make a physical product, in your case, you go, hey, I want to make this ice shaker for like sports drinks or just whatever, drinking around the office. What do you do? Like, what's the first thing in terms of creating the product? Like, where do you go? Because I guess you go, I got to get plastic from somewhere. Somehow I got to like have the little ball thing that's in there. Like a lot of them do. And do you just like start Googling like manufacture plastic cup? And like, is that pretty much how it starts? So I didn't know what to do at that time. You know, this was six years ago as well. So it's easier now, or there's, there's more resources now to do it. But back then I was lucky because we were already sourcing products with my wife's business. So we already had connections. We already had manufacturers. We asked them for help. And they helped us find another manufacturer. So that's how we did it. Now, what I would recommend doing is going and getting a sourcing agent. You know, just find someone that does it for a living, you know, ask them for the help. It's going to be expensive though. You know, that's a huge barrier to entry. And you also have to know what you want. You know, you have to go get someone to make you a CAD drawing or 3D drawing so that you you can present it to a manufacturer and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. 
Uh, on top of that, you got to research and you got to know what you're getting into. Like you said, the little ball, that little ball is patented. So we couldn't put a little ball inside of our cup. So then you try to figure out other ways to do it. And it was one of the hardest problems for us to solve and became one of our biggest assets because we now have a patented twist and agitator that breaks up the protein powders, but it also ended up being a way to strain out ice and it has all these other different benefits. And we're now launching a twist and fruit infuser now as well for it. So it ended up being this huge problem for us. You know, how do we mix up protein without a ball? And then we realized this ball is really annoying, especially inside of a metal cup and it's patented. So we can't do it anyways. So let's find another way to do it. And we did. So yeah, that initial process, it's the hardest part. You, know, you could think of a great idea, but actually putting it into play is where everyone gets stuck. So how much money are you invested in before you sell one? Yeah. I mean, so a lot, um, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, at this time I wanted it to be a comfortable level for me. So I wasn't you know, all in, I wasn't getting loans. I had a you know decent chunk from the NFL, but my wife's business was doing really well too. So, you know, for me at that time, we invested about 50,000 into it. Okay. Uh, that was for, you know, the mold fees to get the first run of product going and then, you know, a website and that was pretty much it. And then I was also set up on Amazon, which you know, was like 30 bucks a month. So that was the start. So it really, to start it, it was about $50,000. Okay. So you have the idea, you draw it up in a CAD and then you get a mold made so that you have something you can hold up and say, hey, this is what it is. And then you have a website to start selling it. Yep. And now they do 3D printing as well. So that process of actually getting a prototype in your hands is a lot easier and a lot cheaper than it used to be because they could actually 3D print it where before that wasn't happening. So 3D printing has came a long way and that's also helped a lot to get a product made. Uh-huh. Yeah. I hear your kids in the background. Yeah. You, got, you got three kids. So my wife and I, you know, we exited our first business. We built it for 12 years. We exited it in 2018. And then we st- we basically started having kids right then. So this new business we've been building while having kids, that's a whole rodeo in and of itself, like doing that at the same time. You got three kids and one on the way? Three kids, one on the way. And I tell people this all the time, though. It was probably the, one of the best things that happened for business because I was so competitive. I was trying to do everything myself when I started the business. And it came to the point where you know I would work 100-hour weeks easily. It didn't bother me. I'd work every day because that's kind of how I was born and raised. That's kind of how football was. You know, Work hard, put your time in. But with business, at the end of the day, if you want to grow and you want to scale, you have to build a team. You have to put processes in place. You have to delegate responsibilities because no matter how good I was at it, I didn't have enough time in the day to do every single task. So once I had kids, man, things slowed down and you have to figure out how to build a team at that point. So that's really when that and then COVID, you know, COVID really pulled me away from everything because I couldn't physically be there. We had different shifts going on. And at that point it was, hey, we need a solid team. We need solid processes. So if I can't be here, this thing still runs. And so that was huge, man. Kids, as hard as it is, as much time and effort it is you know, to raise kids, it's also one of the best things that ever happened to me because I've actually finally figured out how to run a business the correct way without having to be there 24-7. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now you're 50,000 in, you have this mold, you got a website. How do you sell the first batch of people? Because you all sold like $80,000 of this thing yeah. and it, like pretty quick. Is yeah, it just so, on social media talking about it or what? So everyone thought it was social media or the fact that I had a following or my brother did. And that really didn't help at all. I thought it would. I figured, hey, if I could get 1% of my following to buy, I'd be raking. That didn't happen. My first post, I think I sold zero. I didn't know how to build an audience at that time. I didn't have a personal brand. I had a following just because I was an NFL player. But I never engaged. I never hit people back. 
there was no reason for anyone to trust me or buy from me because I never did anything to build their trust. So I realized that really quickly that a following doesn't matter unless you know you actually respond to them and give them value back as well. So I learned that later on and have continued to build on that. But at that time, it was all about first making friends and family buy it. You know, every friend and every family member had to buy it, had to leave a review. And then for me, the biggest thing that I did early on- Like on Amazon probably, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. On Amazon, get as many reviews as possible. And then I borrowed their audience. You, know, you borrow someone else's platform audience, at least at the beginning. So with my wife's business, it was Etsy before we built her website and built her email list. For me, it was Amazon. You'll go to Amazon, go to the biggest platform in the world. If it doesn't sell there, you should probably stop trying. Because if you can't sell on Amazon, you're not going to sell anywhere. So got on Amazon, really had never been on Amazon before, but I just sat there and researched and said, hey, why am I not the first one on Amazon when I type in shaker bottle and how do I get there? So I sat there, I studied every single other top ranking listing on there. And then I looked at it and said, hey, they got eight pictures. These eight pictures highlight these eight things. These are the keywords you're using. This is how many times the keywords show up. I'm going to do exactly what they do and let me see how high I can get. So Within the first couple of months, I ended up getting to the three spot for Shaker Bottle, which was the highest relevant keyword that I could rank for. And at that time, I started selling about 25 to 30 a day, which was pretty good for you know just paying for zero ads and being a new product as well that had only been established for a couple of months. So that was my first way to sell. The second way was just going to trade shows. I started doing a lot of just different bodybuilding shows and I would show up and just, if you walk by my booth, you were going to hear every single thing possible about this product. And I was going to try to get as many people to stop and, and talk to them about it. And at that time, you know, there wasn't a ton of insulated cups yet. So I put one bottle, a plastic shaker with ice in it. And I put my bottle with ice in it and I'd hand it to people. And the second they had both in their hands, it was game over because they would, every time they opened it, they would say, no, there's no way there's ice in here. And they would open it, there'd be ice in it. And it was boom. It was an automatic seller because they just couldn't believe how well the bottle was insulated. That's like classic infomercial stuff, which makes it a great, <laughs> is a great, is a great fit for Shark Tank. Okay. So yeah. how do you get a call to go on Shark Tank? Like, did you apply? Was there a casting call? Did you have a friend? Like how this happen? Yeah. So that process can be pretty tedious. I was lucky because 2012, I was with the Broncos. I got an email from my agent. He sent it out to every single guy on the roster. And it just said, Hey, ABC Shark Tank is looking for any current or former NFL players if you want to come pitch on the show. So they were looking for a way to build their audience, you know, bring some new fans into the show. And so they reached out to my agent. That time, I didn't even know how to use email and I had nothing to present, but I loved the show. I watched it pretty much every time a new one came out. So I started and I said to my wife, I'm like, one day we're going to come back to this email. I'm going to hit her back with something cool. So Fast forward like five years later, I think it was four or five years later, I finally emailed it back and she didn't work there anymore, but she quickly passed me on oh. to the girl that did. And I said, Hey, I got this great idea. Would love to present it to you. At that point, like you don't have to go to all the trade shows where like you pitch for the first time. They just said, yeah. Hey, send a video submission over. And if we like it, you know, we'll get back to you. So I knew at that point, you know, I had a decent chance as long as I had something to present of value. And I did have value at that time. I had about $35,000 in sales. I had a product, you know, we were selling. You now I knew my brother was crushing it at that time as well. So that would help as well. So with all that, and then this one shot, I just made it super entertaining. I'm like, Hey, let's make this video ridiculous because I know it's an entertaining show. They're looking for entertainment. So I'm sitting there, you know, ripping my shirt off in the gym, you know, showing my touchdown passes, all that, and uh, submitted it to them. And a couple of days later, they hit me back and said, yo, we'd love to move on to the next steps with you. 
Wow, that's crazy. So then you go on the show. So what happens? So basically they're like, okay, so you go through a couple rounds of screening or whatever. So you send a video. Yeah. They say, we like the video. We like the idea. You talk to some people on the phone, I guess. And then what? at some point you go, come on the show and you're going to like enter into the Shark Tank and we're going to film this. Yeah. So it's actually about like six months of diligence that they do. And they check on everything. It was crazy. I had one thing from the state of Indiana and paid my taxes. I e-filed it. For some reason, they never got the e-file. So they put something on my record. So I had to get all that cleared. I had a call. Like everything has to be perfect for you to get on the show. So they're going to check everything. And then you know, they want to make sure you're prepared too. So you know, they don't want you showing up and just putting on trash. They want it to be a good show. So they make sure that you know, you're ready. You know your product and you know, you've watched different episodes. You kind of know. Right. Like, the so they get you prepared for sure. So you get there. What's crazy is for most people, you don't even know if you're actually going to record when you get there. So there's a chance that you still don't record, even if you make it to the hotel, because mm. if they get enough good submissions, they'll just cut the last couple people out. So the first thing I saw when I got there was a guy pacing back and forth at the hotel. And the second I walk up, he's like, Hey, you man, you here to pitch? Yo, what, yo, what's your company name? All this stuff. I'm like, who is this guy? And they're like, Oh, he was here last year, but they didn't film him. So he's freaking out about it, like going crazy about it. So I'm like, man, so I, I made it to the hotel, but I didn't really know 100% sure if I'd even record. And then when you do record, you know, there's another chance that they don't even air it. So right. a lot of times they do, they record it. And, you know, if they don't like the episode or they don't think it's entertaining enough or you don't get a deal or whatever it is, they'll cut it and you'll never air. So wow. definitely, how long is the filming? Like how long are you actually in there pitching your deal? So I was in there for probably close to an hour. And then they're going to cut it down to eight minutes. But at the end of the day, like they're, it's real. Like it's no joke on the questions they're asking you. They're not in there kind of just throwing you softball questions. They're drilling you on everything and they just don't show that stuff. So, you know, they knew what I did growing up. They knew my first job. They knew what I did in high school. They knew what I did right after college. And you know, they hit me on all that stuff. They want to know what my parents did, everything. So really at the end of the day, they knew everything about me, but then they just show the entertaining stuff. You know, the actual offers, us playing flip cup. The, you know, the initial pitch, the chest bumps, you know, stuff like that. But really right. at the end of the day, you know, they're drilling down on you. You know, it's the real deal. It's their money. And when you think about it, all the diligence and everything they have to do afterwards, especially Mark, he's been doing it for 10 years. He's not just going to pick up some scrub company because it's more work than anything for him. So, you know, he's really vetting companies out and making sure he's getting something that's worth his time. And so after that happens, like, so you record and nothing happens because no one has seen it. And then at some point it comes out several weeks or months later. And then is there an instant like boom? Boom. Boom shakalaka. Really? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, when you're a new company, especially, you know, that influx of sales is massive. You know, you get the money from the shark, you know, that takes a couple of months of diligence, but they, you know, they then wire that money over. But then that boom is huge. And all that money is also. You know, you're not spending marketing dollars on it. So it's top margin. So there's a lot of profit there and it spikes massive. And it doesn't just spike massive for the day of, you know, now because everyone records everything and then you get articles written about you as well, you really get like this month long tail of really good sales. So the first couple of weeks is great. The first week is huge. Then the next, I would say the next three weeks is good. But for us, it was October. So we went right into November, which was holiday season, Black Friday, all that into December and then January for us is New Year's resolution. So we had this massive wave that then ended in February. And when February hit, it was like, you know, what the hell do we do now? Like, I, you know, I got to figure out how to run a business now because all that extra traffic and sales that came was gone. 
That's wild. So it's really like the minute the show airs, you start, it just starts popping. Yeah, starts so we coming. sold out on Amazon in 30 minutes on Amazon. So the strategy at that time was to try to build our audience. You know, I initially used Amazon to start the business, but at the end of the day, you don't know who you're selling to. You're not getting any information. You're not building your own customer base. You're not getting emails. You're not getting SMS. So you know, it's cool to start and prove yourself there. But if you don't get off someone else's platform, they own you you know, for the rest of your life really is what it comes down to. And if they don't like your product or they want to knock your product off, or if someone wants to knock you off, Amazon's not going to protect you. You know, they don't care about IP cases. You have to take that outside of Amazon. So if you want to own your audience, you have to build your own list. So our game plan was, you know, get our old stuff on Amazon. So we put all of our old stock. I came out with a new product right before we aired, sold out everything on Amazon within 30 minutes. And it was a decent stock. I wish I put some of our new stuff on there because we probably would have quadrupled our sales, but the strategy really was to build our own customer base and build our website up. So that's what we stuck to. And then how much do you see, like how often do you see Mark Cuban or Alex Rodriguez or even talk to him? Yeah. So Mark's done a great job of building Mark Cuban companies up. So he brought in a bunch of employees that their job is to help out the Shark Tank companies. Uh, so I think he has 10, around 10 people in Mark Cuban companies. Their job is to help out around, I think he has about 80 Shark Tank companies and other investments as well. So I have an advisor signed to me. His name's John. And I talk to him almost every week. Really? That so I can reach is... out really for anything. What's cool about it is they're there to help and they're not there to take over the company. So you know, Mark's in it for the right reasons. He's not trying to you know make a ton of money off me or force me into anything. He's there to help if I need help. He's not going to come in and take over the business. He's not going to force me to do anything. If I want help, if I want suggestions, he'll give them to me. If not, you know, and we're doing well, he's just going to let me keep on running it how I'm running it. Wow. That is such a cool thing. And so how's it been since? So when was that? When did you go live on Amazon the first time? When did you do the show? So the first product on Amazon was right at the beginning of 2017. So January 2017 was probably when we got our first product on Amazon. Aired okay. on Shark Tank in October 2017. Went from that 80,000 range to we did over 3 million in sales in the next 12 months. Oh my gosh. Brought, brought Dude, that's nuts. That is yeah. crazy. Took off and then we did get the update too. So we got the second recording of Shark Tank as well. In 2018, we aired again in November. So that was a nice little boost. And now we get the reruns for both episodes. So they're always rerunning on CNBC now. And every time we do at this point, we'll get a couple thousand people that come to the website. And then we usually get a decent chunk of people that go to Amazon as well. Wow. Just from a rerun. Reruns, man. I love reruns. They, they like it. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're rated one of the top 10 episodes in Shark Tank history. So we seem to get a lot more reruns and they seem to be in prime time as well. So it's a nice little thing we got going on. What are you doing outside of that? So the sales outside of that, how we're getting getting people yeah, into the funnel? Now, right? So that's kind of like you did Amazon, got yep. Shark Tank, got that, kind of have this little annuity of customers coming in from that. But then you start, and then what? Did you start really layering on your personal brand or are you doing at Like, where yep. do you go from um, there? We push hard into Facebook marketing. So we're spending over a million a year on Facebook ads. At one point, that's significantly fallen off because of iOS updates and we're not seeing results there anymore. After that, really built a sales team up as well. And then we built out a retail strategy too. So we're national with Vitamin Shop, GNC, Lifetime Fitness. We'll actually go into Walmart in February this year into 1,900 locations. 
or grocery. So we have a pretty decent retail presence now at this point. Uh, we actually held off until really the goal was 2020, but then COVID hit and everything got crazy and really pushed off until now for a retail strategy. But we went a lot of gyms as well. We do a lot of work with CrossFit too. And we also do a lot in the promo space. So anyone that's looking for customer gifts or employee gifts or event gifts, anything like that, we actually have the ability to turn custom bottles within three to five business days because that's my wife's business. So I took all that, I integrated it into iShaker as well. You could buy a one-off bottle on our website. We'll probably make it the same day and ship it out for you. Or you could buy thousands of bottles and we'll ship those out within three to five business days. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And so your personal brand, then you still talk about, you know, like I saw one of your reels recently was talking about like the way that retirement and pension plans work for formal NFL athletes. So you're still kind of like trying to just be out there talking about, you know, whatever, obviously talking about the product and just, but TikTok's really blown up for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to, you'll kind of try to figure out social. I didn't know what to do at first. So I just kind of just started posting and really what it came down to was I had to find a way to bring value to people. So to do that, you know, I started talking about NFL. I started answering questions that other people were asking. And when I did that, I kind of led down this track of just answering NFL questions. From there, I then became, you know, someone that people trusted. They would ask questions to, I would answer them, I would engage. And from there, I'd then weave in different ways to also answer questions about my product. So people would ask, hey, your NFL career is out over now. What do you do now? So that was a great opportunity to answer this question, bring Shark Tank into it. And it came to the point where actually someone then asked, you know, what is it like to have the sharks on your team? I did a TikTok about that. It drove more traffic to my website than Shark Tank airing did. So I drove more views to my website from one TikTok post than the live airing of Shark Tank did for the first time. And I got on all my calls that week and the different companies that we work with said, man, what happened in this three-day period? And I said, oh, I put out a TikTok about Shark Tank. And they were like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So that video got about 6 million views. It drove close to 50,000 clicks to our website over three days from one TikTok post. So it wow. just shows you the, the actual power of it. 6 my million first, views and 50,000 visitors? You had about 50,000 visits to our website. I mean, it, it was hard to distinguish where they, because it won't tell me directly from TikTok, but you know, we had this massive influx over those three days. So my TikTok then over just a 30-day period, when I first started, I would reach about 50 million people. So video views was at about 50 million. I now average weekly basis, I average about 5 million views on TikTok a week. That's amazing. And they're just all these little short clips, basically the same as an Instagram reel. Same thing. I then also put it on Instagram reels now as well. I mean, that's what everyone's pushing. So Instagram's pushing it. TikTok's pushing it. You know, you can then do YouTube shorts. You can then do Pinterest. So I try to hit every platform that I can, you know, I will post that same video throughout all of them because, you know, there's an audience there that wants to see it and they want you to post it on their platform. So those four have, have taken the same style of videos for them done pretty well, but Instagram reels and TikTok by far are driving the most engagement, most sales, most everything. And also for me personally, I make a lot of money off of brand deals as well because I'm an influencer now and it's hard to find guys that are influencers is what it comes down to. You know, it's, there's a lot of females. I would say it's probably 80% female. We actually got accepted into a, a Facebook affiliate program that Facebook was doing. And it was 95% female. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what, what's going on with that? So I think I get a lot of brand deals because I'm one of the few males that they would consider a, an influencer that's growing a profile. When did you start going all in on TikTok? 
So it was, man, I got challenged. I have a podcast and I got challenged on the podcast by a kid who was a college dropout and TikTok expert. And he was like, man, I got 600,000 followers. You got 10,000 and you got all these cool stories to tell. Why don't you go on there and tell them? So I did. And that's that first 30 days, I grew 350,000 followers by telling you know, NFL style, unique story, Shark Tank behind the scenes, stuff like that. But I started that, I would say midway through 2020. Wow. That is cool, man. And you just post, how often are you posting? So I was committed and the challenge was to post once a day, you know, post once a day. Really for me, I got it down to using about 10 minutes a day. That was it. You know, go through when I had extra time, I'd sit on the couch, I'd pull a bunch of questions, I'd save them. And then I'd answer them. And and what's cool about TikTok and how Reels has copied it is when you answer a question from a previous post, it links them. So you're driving juice to both of them by answering a previous post question. So I saw that. Someone's asking you a question in a comment. Do you have to use like a question feature on the first one? So no, they'll comment and then you reply back to the comment and it will link the two posts for you. So it kind of gives juice to both of them. And then it just becomes like a rabbit hole for people to follow. Oh, this is like a video response to a comment. Video response. Yep, exactly. Um, And what I noticed as well is that you then give people the ability to ask a question and they have a chance for you to actually answer it. And because of that, people are going to continue to ask questions, ask questions because you're actually engaging and you're actually answering the questions. Interesting. It starts as a normal comment. You just post a IGTV or a reel or whatever. Yeah. Someone puts a comment and then you just push some button that's or like a reply to their comment. Video reply. Yep. Just, just wow. a video reply. And Reels just started doing the same thing because it's a powerful tool. It's super powerful and it helps the creator a lot. And then the last thing that I did, and I did it a lot when I first started and I stopped and I started again, is just actually doing a CTA. So uh, call to action, ask people to follow you, ask people to ask a question. And the difference is insane. But what it also does is your watch time. The biggest thing on, on all the platforms is watch time. You know, How long is someone actually sitting on your video and watching it? So if you can get that time to go up, they're going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. It's going to go viral. So by asking them to ask a question while they're asking and typing out the question, the video is still playing. You know, and when you ask them to follow you, they actually do as well. And especially after you show up a couple of times, people will be like, hey, I've seen your videos three times now. I like them. You always ask for the follow. I just hooked you up. So I saw immediately by asking for a follow and asking for a question, my audience started growing. I would grow 1% a day, you know, sometimes 3% in one day, you know, thousands of followers every single day just by asking people to actually follow or ask a question. At the end. So basically you do a video and then you do that at the end. Nope. No, I do it before I answer the question. So they have to listen to it. And Wait. it then also gives me more watch time. So I'll say, hey, you know, hey, Rory, thanks so much for the question today. Before I answer this question, don't forget to ask your questions down below. Don't forget to follow me here. So that, that just adds to watch time because I realized if I did it at the end, people would X out of it. It would actually hurt me because then it would cut my average watch time down because they would X out the second I started asking for the question or for the follow. So I then boosted it up to the first thing that I said. They have to sit through it to get the answer. As they're sitting through it, it's adding watch time. And then they're also asking questions. And then I answer it and they have to wait till the end for the answer. So after you answer the question, do you say, if you want a question answered, leave it down below in the comments or something? Like, how do you tee up the next one? No. So I asked them it before that, but then it loops. So once I finish asking it, it will loop. It just starts over, yeah. Yeah, so... It'll do back. So it's a good strategy on reels and TikTok as well is to make it seem like your video never ended. 
So once you're done talking, it clips the ending, looks like the beginning. So people don't realize you're watching it twice. And then you get more than a full watch out of it and your watch time goes way up. So just another, a lot of strategy, but the whole strategy is shares and watch time. You know, if your watch times, you know, more than what your video length is, they're going to keep pushing, 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 and you're going to go viral. Wow. Chris, this has been awesome, dude. I love it. I think it's so cool. And I think, you know, there is an opportunity here for anybody who is an athlete or, you know, we have got clients who were, you know, formerly movie stars or TV stars. You know, there's like this window of opportunity that if you play your cards right, it parlays, like you've parlayed it into just a really great following and a business that will last you the rest of your career and you keep building. And this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us, like kind of the transparency of your story. Where do you want people to go to follow you and connect with all the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty much every platform. So besides Facebook, I haven't mastered Facebook yet, but I'll work on that. Follow me at Chris Gronkowski, Instagram, TikTok, definitely the, the most engaged on those two. Check out the website, iShaker.com. And I guess last but not least, we got the channel, the YouTube channel with all the brothers at the Gronks. So we'd like to have fun on that channel. Not that active during the season, but off season, we should be bringing some heat on the channel as well. <laughs> I love that you guys are branding yourselves as uh, all five of you together. I think that's got a lot of mileage and legs long-term. That's, it'll be cool to see how that shakes out. For sure. For sure. That's the fun stuff. Yeah. Well, man, we appreciate you making some time and look forward to staying connected and just wish you the best. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me today. Hi, it's AJ Vaden. And thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Gronk, Gronk, Chris Gronkowski, one of the five Gronk brothers. What a cool conversation. This is another conversation that, you know, when we do this podcast, we're learning right alongside of you. And this was one that was super tactical, like way more tactical in terms of what has changed my behavior immediately since doing this interview with Chris. And it's pretty awesome. And it's cool to see what he's doing. I think it's inspiring to see how he transitioned you know, his career in the NFL into a great personal brand. And I'll tell you this, one of the things that I got clear on just in talking to him was going, oh, I got clarification on some of our core target audience, like some of our avatar at Brand Builders Group, because we work with athletes and stuff. And it was like, oh yeah, well, you know, college athletes and stuff like that. And the whole like NIL name and image likeness, maybe we should be trying to reach out to college athletes and, you know, and get in with some pro athletes and stuff. And then it hit me like, oh, our market is not athletes. Our market is former athletes. One of the ways where we can be useful, and if you know a former professional athlete, you should introduce them to us because we can help them like leverage the following that they built from sports or whatever to create and turn it into a long lasting career as a personal brand an educator, encourager, entertainer, whatever. And it's cool to see Chris do that and hear his story about how he, you know, 
went from being in the NFL and then became an entrepreneur. And now he's like building his personal brand really cool. And it makes sense to me because we have a lot of athletes on our community and people who play in the NFL, et cetera. And it's like, oh, they're all former athletes, which makes sense because when you're in the NFL, she's probably focused on not getting killed <laughs> and winning a Super Bowl, right? And like doing your thing. But after that, it's a different story. So that was a you know an insight for me just to share with you that even as we do this, every one of these episodes, we're learning stuff new constantly that we are applying to our business. So that's not one of my top three formal takeaways. I'll go into those now. So my first formal takeaway was where it was so simple. He said, do video replies to the questions that people leave in your comments. That's so cool, right? Like what a simple, easy way to create community, engage with your followers, have video content, add valuable content that people are interested in, is yeah, anytime somebody asks you a question as a DM or as a comment, answer the question as a video and say, you know, hey, this question comes from so and so, or you don't have to name them and just go, got this question the other day. Here's the answer. I mean, this is the formula that we teach our brand builders. Like all of our paying members is simple is we go every week, you're going to take at least one question and answer one question with one answer and then give a call to action. Like, that's it. QAC, question, answer, call to action. It is a simple formula for how to effectively do social media marketing, content marketing, YouTube podcasting. I mean, what are we doing on this show? Every week, we're bringing on people who do a component of personal branding really well, or that we think do it well, or that we want to learn from. And then we're highlighting it and showcasing it for you it's to help you get questions answered for how you grow your business. And we use that as a way to like build trust and hopefully to get an opportunity to meet you and have a free phone call with you at some point and then see if we can understand what your vision is and see if the process that we teach that so many of these people use to build their personal brand is one that we can help apply for you. But the genesis of that relationship is answer a question, be useful. And one of the exercises that we have our members do is we have them make a list of 52 questions that their audience has, and then you answer those one at a time. And that becomes basically your content calendar for a year. Well, you know, your audience has way more than 50 questions about what you do. And you definitely know more than 50 little tips or nuggets about what you do if you're truly operating in your uniqueness. And so paying attention to the questions people are asking you and the comments and the DMs and then making that into content is just so smart, right? So if you're going to answer a question, answer it as a video because then you'll never have to answer that question again, right? You have that video there and it creates content and it's just so simple. The second thing that Chris does, and I went and looked on his TikTok profile and I was like, this is crazy. He actually does this. And he said, it makes a huge difference. And I started doing it. And guess what? It makes a huge difference. Like is to do a call to action where you deliberately like articulate the words like in your video to say, follow me, click through. And you know, I've been saying click through to my profile and make sure you give me a follow. He's mostly focused on TikTok. So he just points at the follow button on his TikTok videos. It doesn't allow him to repurpose on Instagram, which is, you know, kind of a bummer, but whatever Instagram or TikTok's where he's focused and he points and he says, you know, follow me here, which is really short. And you know, you see his finger and then you go click right there and you follow him. And it's like, of course that works. People do what you tell them to do. 
I mean, this is crazy, but this is the whole point of calls to action in general is like, tell people what to do. If you go back and listen to the Tom Rath episode, so Tom Rath wrote Strength Finders, which is the all-time best-selling nonfiction book, like the best-selling nonfiction book of all time on Amazon. It sold 10 million copies. And I asked Tom in that interview, I said, Tom, how do you sell 10 million copies? And he said, simple, give people something to do. Tell them what to do. And here it is again, like that same dynamic, that same principle coming up where he's just saying, you know, make sure to follow me on my profile. And it works. Like what a difference. So we've started doing this. I've started doing this with my videos and it totally works. Like it's not like suddenly we've got millions of followers overnight, but just noticing how the follower count is growing proportionate to when we were not doing this, it is a noticeable difference. And it's so simple. And so you got to be thinking of these increasingly committal calls to action in general, right? You know, if you agree with what I had said, make sure you like this or share this with a friend or leave a comment down below or, you know, tell me your thoughts or click through and follow or, you know, click the link in my bio and download my free lead magnet. These are calls to actions where you're literally verbatim telling somebody what to do. People need to be told what to do. Why? Because their brain doesn't have much space or time to figure it out themselves. So you make it easy for people when you tell them exactly what to do. Help them take the next step by making the step painfully, obviously, excruciatingly clear and then tell them what to do so they don't have to think about it. They can just do it. And now they're on your email list. Now they're following you. Now they're sharing your content. Now they're commenting below. They're subscribed to your YouTube channel. They're rating and reviewing your podcast. Like tell them what to do. So simple. And uh, I've just never done that. You know, I've always felt kind of weird about it. Just like, hey, follow me. But you know, there's I still feel a little bit weird, like I'm pandering, but it makes a difference. And you go, look, if those people are going to follow me and now I have a chance to change their life because now they're going to see my content again and again, that's a worthwhile thing, right? So I can feel stupid or silly if it's for the sake of going, I'm going to get another opportunity or several opportunities to impact somebody's life versus you know, I get to feel cool. And then this is the one time they're going to see a video of mine and then I'm never going to see him again. So I can live with that. I can live with that. I'm getting out of my comfort zone there a little bit. And that's one thing that I'm working on. The third takeaway from Chris, which you hear this, right? I mean, it's not new information, but is if you go live specifically on TikTok, it's huge right now because TikTok pushes you out to everyone. That is huge, right? Like that is very different. If you go live on Instagram, it's more like it's pushing you out to your followers, which you may not have a bunch, but TikTok is in this still the season of growth, right? So there's so much traction to still be made there and going live is the way to do it. Now, one of the things that I discovered, unfortunately, is that you have to have a thousand followers to have the go live function on TikTok even available to you. And so I was like, shoot, we've been ignoring TikTok for the most part. And so now we're kind of like trying to pick up our game a little bit and, and get into it because I feel like we're late to the game once again on social. And I think if we can get there while this is still happening, or if you have a thousand followers going live on TikTok, you should do it, right? Like there's this harvest season that we're in right now where you're getting a disproportionate amount of attention and impact and reach. And 
you got to kind of play those seasons because you don't know when they're going to come up and TikTok is in one right now, if that matters to you. Now, we've got other friends that go, I don't trust TikTok. I don't like it. I don't, I don't believe in it. You know, it's owned by the Chinese. Some people have issues with that or whatever. Like you got to make your decision, but like, if you're into reaching people, this is your chance. Like this window, this is happening on TikTok and it's huge. And I'm learning a ton from TikTok. Like there's a bunch of people that I'm following that I'm learning stuff from. And so pretty incredible. So, you know, you've got going live. And then the other thing is using the discovery tool on TikTok. We talked about this with Tori Gordon a few weeks ago. She's got a huge TikTok following, but just going to look at the discovery page and it tells you which hashtags are trending. Like it just tells you right there, this is the content that people want to see right now. And this is the content that we're pushing out. And so paying attention to riding the wave, right? Like that's like, here comes the wave and it's telling you this is the wave right now. And if you want to hop on, you just like create content that fits inside that wave and you catch the wave. So this is that window and you see the opposite happening on Instagram. It's like every few weeks, the reach just goes down and down and down. And Facebook, like organic reach is like dead. I mean, almost virtually dead, like zero. I'm shocked at how little our content, you know, even videos that are awesome. And it's like, they get 20 views. We haven't put a ton of time into Facebook either, but this is why is it's like, it doesn't work very well anymore organically. So, or at least we're not putting in the work it takes to really make it work. There are plenty of people making it work. You know, if you go back and listen to the episode with Hillary Billings and Marshall Cease about, you know, they're getting hundreds of millions of views, like there's a way to do it. And we talk about it in that episode, but right now this is the season is TikTok. It's the one that's here. It's right in front of us. And we are late to the game and, you know, still in a lot of ways, not all in on it, but we're, you know, we're taking steps in that direction. And I would like to experiment with going live on TikTok. So we'll see how that happens. But there you have it. Practical tips from, you know, a guy who, I mean, Chris is, you know, Gronkowski is a really well-known. I mean, obviously his brother is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And Chris had a very solid NFL career, which I mean, anyone who plays in the NFL is amazing in my opinion, but it's not like Chris had millions and millions of followers. He don't have millions of followers now, but you know, he had something that he achieved. He was at the top of his industry. He was in the NFL, but then it was over. And it was like, what are you going to do with it? Right. And so you might be at the top of your industry, but you're transitioning it and going, how am I going to use this to impact lives and to build an audience and to become well-known, not for the sake of me being well-known, but for the sake of making a difference in the world. And I love that Chris has done that. And he's turned it into a great business and great relationships and great partnerships. And he's adding value and he's, you know, cool. And you can do the same thing. People want to know you and you have an opportunity to help them and just figure out how can I answer their questions? Give them clear calls to action and you know, pay attention to some of the natural ways to grow your reach and do it consistently. And you know, that's how it happens. So it's simple, it's doable, it's all doable, right? Building your personal brand, building your influence, building your reach, making an impact, making a difference, becoming more well-known, all doable. So many of those things you're learning right here every single week. So keep coming back. We love having you. We're learning right alongside you. And then also hopefully modeling and showing you the way in some ways. We'll catch you next time on the Influential Personal Brand Podcast.
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 